Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 17th of September 2016. Uh, got a, an action-packed episode for you today, uh, mainly because I attended the Festival of Writing on Friday, Saturday and Sunday of last week. This is held in York every year, and I can't really recommend it to you highly enough. It's a really good weekend. I can't remember what it cost me for the, the three days, about about just short of £500, I think. But the food is excellent there, the accommodation is excellent, <laughs> even though actually I should point out that my shower didn't work, so I had a cold shower all weekend but it's supposed to be good for you, isn't it? But the accommodation is excellent. The food is, is amazing. You get a really nice posh do on the Saturday evening. And of course, you get loads of um, sessions and lots of experts and agents and people from the publishing industry there. So it's I think it's a really good value weekend. And it's the second year that I've been. I really, really enjoy it. I had three uh, agent sessions uh, talking about the thrillers. And uh, I got a sense of deja vu because last year I think I was talking to them about the secret bunker. And what I have to say is the default expectation, I think, of that event is that your book's pretty well going to be, you know, something a little bit posh. It's going to be literary fiction. That seems to be what most people aspire to. Most of the writers there, I think, seem to aspire to something more literary in nature and they want to get traditionally published. So I sat through the agent feedback, you know, what I'm really looking for is people saying, you're not wasting your time. I didn't expect to walk away uh, with any deals based on that experience. So we've got the usual bits and pieces, the usual, um, you know, what about this? What about, I think the, the strongest feedback actually that I got from all three agents. And, and I think when you get feedback like this, you have to say, all right, well, you know, I have to take that on the chin and accept that. But the feedback I got from all three agents was that you need to start it just a little bit further in. You've done too much show and tell at the beginning and you need to just launch straight into it. And they, they varied in, in where I should actually pick it up. But actually the principle was the same, is that you need to start us in the middle of the action, which I thought I'd done, but clearly not. So I, I did find that very interesting. I remember leaving with that impression last year that when three people tell you the same thing, you have to do something about it. So I will be going back to look at that introduction once again. Um, very nice agents, uh, always appreciate the, the time and the feedback. But I have to say, over the weekend, it, most people there do aspire to be traditionally published. And what you get over the weekend is lots of people who've seen agents, and most of the agents have knocked people back, and some have had some quite harsh criticism. And, you know, I can't help feeling that all these people who are writing and putting their time and effort and energy into doing this, they're just getting knockbacks from the the traditional arena. Yet I attended several presentations last weekend and and the positive messages were coming from the the indie authors, the self-publishers, the people who were saying, I don't care what you think of a book, I'm publishing this anyway and we'll let the audience decide. decide." And I have to say that's kind of where I am with this, that I don't know whether I really want somebody looking down their nose at me telling me what they think of my book. I'd rather just publish the thing and let the audience decide. That's kind of where I am with it. Now, I've got more to say on this because um, it was a really, really interesting uh, weekend. But what struck me about that weekend is we've got story, you know, story after story of people saying, oh, you know, the agent said this, didn't like that, didn't like that, didn't like this. And 
you know, and then also from people who were there talking, who'd had a lot of success, people who'd been constantly rejected by agents, and then who just kind of said, well, whatever, I'm doing it this way. And then the agents have come to them. And this is my thought. You know, I can't say or stress enough. I, I'm just really an indie publisher because my view is, is, you know, so long as you're producing the best book that you can, so long as it's been edited, so long as it's got a great cover, I'm not talking about publishing rubbish here, but I am talking about publishing your, your very best book without looking to approval from agents. Because my view is, is if the thing takes off, then they'll come to you anyway. So I do think we've got to get the quality up. And, and one of the things I know when I went there last year, I came back with this very strong impression that I need to up my game. And I did again this year, I need to up my game, you know, if I'm going to play in this arena. And I know I've mentioned on this diary before that I know really I ought to get some structural edits done on the books. And I left thinking I'm going to have to find a way to pay for those structural edits. I need these to go through a fine tooth comb with an editor. I need someone to say to me things like what the agents were saying. This needs to be changed round. The order of this needs to be changed round. So I think that was the big learning point for me is I've got up my game to that kind of really uh, critical, uh, traditional standard because that's the kind of arena that I would like to play in. So I'm going to have to find the money to pay for this. And, and that's really where I am after that weekend. And I really did enjoy it. As I say, you know, I don't want to paint that as a negative picture, but it did strike me. It really surprised me last year when I went, how few people were even interested in, in indie publishing. And I mean, there are people that, were, you know, I'm meeting people there who were there last year, touted the same book. Somebody there who I sat with at a table, she'd, she had re-edited her book eight times because of what different agents had told her. And then, you know, having done all of this work, they still said, oh, no, it's not quite right for us. And I just think, you know, why, why are you doing this? You, you know, you've always, I'm, I'm never talking about lowering of standards here. You know, please don't give, let me give you the impression that I'm talking about, oh, you know, no one else will have it, so self-publish. I'm absolutely not. What I'm talking about is not waiting for permission to publish from an agent because they're looking for different things. You know, they're like, it's like Dragon's Den as an agent. They've got to back dead certs. You know, the, the traditional publishing industry is, it's, it's not struggling, but it's under siege. And they're going to have to pick winners. And, and the pressure on them to pick winners is increasing. And if they don't pick winners, if they have failures, it's like backing a dud on Dragon's Den. So I completely appreciate where they're coming from. But you know, that doesn't mean that your book is rubbish at all. It doesn't mean that at all. And the chances are it will find an audience. I just think you should get it the best standard you can and get it out there. Now, the stories we heard at the weekend, we had C.L. Taylor, who's having tremendous success with psychological thrillers. And C.L. Taylor did a beautiful presentation, a keynote presentation. It was really lovely. She showed um, a book that she'd written, her first submission when she was eight. I think she'd sent it to Ladybird. And she's got, like I have with Mr. Plum and Mr. Apple, my first book that I sent to Penguin. I've got my first ever rejection letter. She had a lovely rejection letter, beautifully supportive um, from, from Ladybird Books. And there was a photo of this you know, lovely uh, kid's book that she'd done, Tied with Wool, um, produced as an eight-year-old. And, um, I mean, her story to publication, you know, the excruciating uh, pain that she'd gone through the trying to get things right for agents and the rejection. Now, clearly she's having success now, great success, but, you know, her journey was really, really punishing. 
I recorded an interview with David Gochran, who you'll probably know from Let's Get Digital and Let's Get Visible, his digital marketing and digital uh, publishing books. But um, David also um, writes historical novels, very well known in the self-publishing industry. And I recorded an interview for, with him at that event for this very podcast. So that'll be appearing in a couple of weeks time. But again, you know, I was hearing that people had been to see Dave speak. And if they were getting excited about one session, it was the self-publishing session. That's where they were coming out excited. They were coming out, you know, a little bit dejected after agent sessions. And I also had a lovely presentation, I sat through a lovely presentation with Kerry Fisher, who, who I didn't know before. And actually, I've booked Kerry into this podcast. I'm interviewing her on Monday. But again, her interview will come on the podcast in a couple of weeks. But uh, talk about inspirational. Uh, you know, Kerry, again, had gone through the traditional route. She was telling us about all the pain that had gone through, uh, you know, getting published. And very, very interestingly, Kerry is now publishing with a new company, or I say a new company, they're the new kids on the digital block, called Bookature. So it's the word book, B-O-O-K-O-U-T-U-R-E. Now, interestingly, on the, on the board to my left here, Bookature is one of the publishers that I'd, I've got for my thrillers. When my thrillers are ready to go, I was going to submit to Bookature. But I hadn't actually realised when I put them on my list of potential people to submit to how exciting they are. And if there was a buzz about this festival of writing, it was about Bookature. Now, they, um, they pick uh, authors and they get new authors and they're often unagented, unagented authors. And they are producing mainly digital versions of the books and they're shifting them by the bucket load. They're an extremely profitable company. Now, they also have print-on-demand editions available, the sort of create space equivalents, but they're not going for bookshops. They're not looking, and some, some people are agented. I think Kerry's agented. Um, she'll correct me when I interview her if, if I'm incorrect on that. I think Kerry's got an agent. So she works through Bookature, but many of the authors are unknowns. Oh, they are until they get on Bookature, and then they have an amazing success. So do check out Bookature and keep your ear to the ground with them. They really created, they were what the sensation, the buzz was all about at this year's festival. And they weren't even talked about at last year's festival, but this year, that's where the buzz was. Now, interestingly, even the host of the festival, who is a guy called Harry Bingham, who has been traditionally published, is a traditionally published crime writer, he now says... This is the organiser of something that is, as I say, predominantly a traditional uh, festival, writing festival with literary aspirations. Even Harry says that he's making so much more money now from self-publishing his books in the USA that he's not going back. You know, he, he, it's just too profitable for him. Now, Harry also, I requested an interview for this podcast. So you're going to hear from Harry, you're going to hear from David Gochran, and you're going to hear from Kerry Fisher. And I'm chasing Bookature for an interview for the podcast as well. I hope I'm, I'm going to get that. Okay, um, let's move on to my progress with books. Um, the Forgotten Children, which is my third thriller. Uh, another 10,000 odd words done this week. I got 5,500 done on Thursday got another 5,000 odd done on Friday. So we're now at 30,000 words for thriller number three. We're a third of the way through that book and still on the deadline, still on target to get that done by the end of October. Now, um, I'm also at the same time editing The Murder Place. So The Murder Place is written at it's 90,000, I think it's 89,000 words, I think, because I've cut some bits out of it. About 89,000 words. My wife has read it. My wife gives me immediate corrections and queries and things like that. I make my wife's corrections. 
I then read it and go through it with a fine tooth comb and make my corrections. And those corrections are things like spelling, they're things like structure, uh, they're the language that's used, they're continuity, all, all those sorts of things. And also when I, I do that sort of second run through for me, I also make lots of continuity notes because those feed into what I'm doing with Thriller 3. And then having finished now the Murder Place edit, my, my edit of that, it's almost ready to go to Helen Fazal for her complete uh, you know, overhaul that she does. I'm then going to move to Helen's edit of uh, the first book, which is Don't Tell Meg. And I will read through that. I will look, you know, accept or reject her changes that she's made to the text. And I will just finally do what I call factor lining, which is to make sure that there's continuity across the three books. And I haven't got anything wrong. or I might need to seed things or drop a little extra hint in here or there. So what I'm now proposing with Don't Tell Meg, and this, this depends really on what happens with the Curtis Brown thing at the Writer's Workshop self-editing a novel course, is that, you know, these things might not actually get released until later next year. What I might actually do, and, and I'm kind of, this is where I'm going with this, um, after attending the Festival of Writing, is, you know, I think I'm going to take some time, there's no rush, they're not, they're not timed books, I think I'm going to take some, some extra time, because I was going to release them in January, I might take even more time before I release them to go through these courses. If I can get on Curtis Brown, you know, to have lots of other writers criticising it, critiquing it, telling me what's wrong with it, get it dragged over the coals and bring this thing as good as we can possibly make it and get as much feedback as I possibly can and then maybe release it. So that's kind of where I am. A lot depends on whether uh, Curtis Brown let me in and through the doors. We'll have to find out about that. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. I might change my release timetable with that. Now, I intentionally haven't put these books up for pre-order, so I'm not committed to any kind of pre-order schedule. I make the schedule on this. So at the moment, I was just going to release them at the end of January. I might knock that to maybe end of March, maybe even end of April or even later, just to make sure that I've got these to the highest possible quality that within the budget that I've got, they possibly can be to give them the best chance of success that I can give them. You know, either going through traditional routes, if that's the way I go, or self-publishing them. So that's kind of where I am after the Festival of Writing. Now, if you listen to this diary, you know, you'll know best laid plans of mice and men and all of that. Sometimes the plans have to change. Uh, but that's where I am at the moment. Um, had an article, I forgot to mention this, I should have mentioned this last week actually, I've had an article published in Self-Publishing Magazine. Now this used to be a physical magazine, I've got some old editions of it in my in my drawers to my right here, and um, they've now put it online, and because I know it's produced by the people at Matador, and as you know we've had a few Matador writers uh, here, and I went to Matador's event, it's another UK self-publishing highly recommended event, it's in Leicester every year, and because I've made some contacts there, they asked me to write uh, a post for the self-publishing magazine, and so I did it. It's about um, being a perfect podcast guest. Um, when I'm looking for interviewees for this podcast, um, there are a few criteria that, that I need, and and one basic uh, you know, one basic element there is that when I research you online, I don't have to go hunting too hard. I expect you to have a really decent author platform. I don't have the time you know, to be researching or sending you questionnaires or anything like that. I expect to, to find a website, social media presence. I expect to be able to find you online, do all the research I need to. I expect you to have an Amazon author page. And I just decided to turn all that kind of advice, including a little bit of technical advice about, you know, having a decent microphone and things like that, into an article. So if you do aspire to be a podcast guest, and I would recommend it, because the great thing about being on a podcast is, number one, somebody else takes care of all the technicals. You get this interview that you could use for yourself on your own website and social media. 
but also podcast uh, content is evergreen. It's there forever. Once you've got a podcast interview, sits on the web. It's lovely, uh, uh, beautifully keyworded. The podcast hosts like me will share it on social media. And they're just driving traffic to you and your author business. So it's a great thing to do. I've put the link to that article on the show notes so that you can have a look at it. And um, I say that's my kind of best advice on how to be a great podcast guest. Um, I'm also delighted. I don't know where I'm going to find the time for all of this, to be honest with you. But I am delighted um, that I'm doing a presentation also for the Alliance of Independent Authors for their Frankfurt Book Fair online event. That's, um, I think it's towards the end of October, that one. So I've been booked in for a time management presentation. I'm going to talk about how I manage my time, the tools, the techniques, you know, how I get the writing done. So I'll be sharing that uh, with the Alliance of Independent Authors. That's coming up soon, but I've got to sit down, plan and record that one. Interestingly, when I'm talking about the teaching, I did my, um, one of my strategies when I bought Mark Dawson's Facebook course was um, it was expensive. It was 500 quid, something like that, by the time you converted the dollars. And um, w- what I committed to do with that was to pay with that or pay for that course with training. And um, I did a training um, for the Chamber of Commerce, which is where I delivered my training. Uh, we had a really busy session. I think we had 23 people um, in the room. Uh, and these are paid for sessions. So I go 50-50 with the Chamber of Commerce. And, um, and also... Um, we had too many people book for it so you know 23 is pretty well as much as that room um you know could cope with and, and with a kind of hands-on how-to kind of session that's about right you don't don't really want too many more than that otherwise you can't deal with the questions um i think we're going to get another session out of it so my aim always was that i would do the work on that session and that i would then teach it to earn the money back i'd earn the money back by teaching it and uh, I'm pleased to say that that I did that. So I try and make everything I do bootstrapping. So, you know, I spent 500 quid. I should have 500 quid coming back in to to pay for that, that course now. And if I get to do a second course, which it looks like I'm going to get booked in for, then actually we'll be in profit from the learning that I derive from that course. So this is the concept of bootstrapping, that you, you pay for things with money that you've got coming in. You don't, you know, take personal loans and things like that. Okay, I did say, you know, this is going on a bit. I, you know, I hope this is all useful information for you. Uh, just a couple of teasers. I'm I'm kind of in, um, it's funny how the podcast guests come. They're like buses, you know, there aren't any for a week or so. And then I end up doing about five in a row. So I, I did two this week. Uh, did Edward Treyer this week, who does the Wishing Shelf Awards. Wow, what an amazing interview that was. Edward is shifting 100,000 books a year. Yeah, if you look at him on Amazon, you'll think, oh, he's just a normal author. And I'm going to reveal to you how he does 100,000 books a year he's selling. Uh, and he's not giving them away. He's not doing what a lot of us do on self-publishing. He's shifting them at a really profitable price. I'll tell you how he does that in a couple of weeks. You'll hear that interview. Please listen out for what Edward's up to. And also Selena Grace, who is a UK author. Selena is another example. The number of people I've spoken to now who have had grueling um, you know, journeys to publication and Selena was trying to get traditionally published and she was doing, she was at it for about 15 years. And um, she's now got a really successful um, self-publishing career. And I'm talking to her again on the podcast. Guests booked in, I've mentioned them already. Dave Gokram, that interview's recorded already. We did it uh, in York at the weekend. Uh, also, Kerry Fisher, t- talking to Kerry, got her booked in for an interview on uh, on Monday. I'm also talking to Joanne Phillips and Judy Carter. Judy is a ghostwriter and book writing coach. Uh, Joanne is having tremendous success and she's actually teaching a self-publishing course for the Writers' Workshop. Now, I'll just make this point incidentally. Uh, Do you notice how effective this podcast is for networking? 
it's been an amazing thing. You know, I've been blogging, not seriously, but I've been blogging since probably, what, 2008, something like that. This podcast has been running, what, for four months? Cannot believe the number of people that I am meeting and talking to regularly as a consequence of running this podcast. Absolutely amazing, the people that I'm getting to talk to. But also what I'm learning from it. Um, you know, the, the, the knowledge, the things that these people, the information that these uh, authors are sharing with me is just uh, remarkable. And there's not one person that I've spoken to on this podcast who hasn't made me think, go off in a different direction, try something different that I hadn't heard about. It really is. It's like an encyclopedia of self-publishing and traditional publishing. So I'm learning an awful lot from this. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. It's a bit of a long one this week. I'm going to have another podcast diary for you next Saturday. We're just running these diaries on Saturdays just as a trial throughout September. And please don't forget to tune in for episode 29 of Self-Publishing Journeys, which I'm going to be releasing on Monday, this next Monday, the 19th of September. One more amazing guest for you, Jennifer Blanchard is going to be my guest on Monday. Now, Jennifer, if you remember me talking about Jennifer, she's the lady who inspired me to look at my non-fiction again. She committed to writing and publishing nine new books this year. She's like a human whirlwind. I cannot believe her level of productivity. Please make sure you listen to her on Monday. She's got um, her um, notes page. It's just, it's so long because she mentioned so many things I wasn't aware of. that They're all on the, the show notes page on Monday. But that's my guest, Jennifer Blanchard, on Monday's podcast. And hopefully I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.